Today, we will be speaking with Galena Hale. She'll get us started with an introduction about herself, and then we'll jump into the talk about fiscal support. Enjoy. Okay, hi everybody. My name is Galena Hale. I'm a professor of economics at the University of California, Santa Cruz. Before teaching in Santa Cruz, I was a research advisor at the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco for about 14 years. Prior to that, I taught at Yale University, and my PhD in economics is from Berkeley. To start off, is consumer sentiment a good predictor of PMI? And can you please explain what PMI is as well? So PMI is a producer manufacturing index. It's basically measuring how much um, a country or some region within the country has produced in a given month. It is a proxy for how the economy is doing uh, if you want to look at the higher frequency than annual or quarterly. So you basically, um, when we measure actual production, like industrial production, for example, you can get that at the quarterly frequency. Uh, GDP for most countries, you can get quarterly or annual, and there is a big delay in when the data is available. So PMI is actually a survey. So it's based on what people say and how much they're producing. And so that's available real time and there isn't as much delay. And so frequently we use PMI to measure how much industrial production is actually happening in a, in a given country, given time period. Now, um, even PMI is available with a lag and at some times, like for example, during the beginning of COVID, it was not very informative because, uh, because of the lockdowns and then supply chain problems. It was not actually a good measure of which way the economy is going, especially which way the you know, aggregate demand is going. And so sentiment is a way to measure how people feel about the economy, which usually translates in how much stuff they want to buy. And normally it would also translate into how much stuff people want to sell. And as a result, it would also be reflected in PMI. But during the COVID, that connection between how much people want to buy and how much stuff would be sold got broken down because, because of lockdown and uh, you know related production constraints and then the supply global supply chain disruptions. People wanted to buy stuff, but it just wasn't available. I'm sure everybody remembers that. And so we find that sentiment is actually a pretty good predictor of PMI, even during COVID, but it's it, it has more dynamics. So PMI moves very slowly during 2020, 2021, uh, and does not react much to any kind of developments and the sentiment does react. And so it's something we can look at when PMI is not giving us good information because of all this uh, confounding factors. And related to the COVID pandemic, how did the fiscal support that was provided influence consumer sentiment and um, PMI during this period? So, so what you would expect is when there is a big disruption like a pandemic, people would stop buying stuff because they might be worried about uh, losing their jobs and therefore their income. Also, just general uncertainty about the future 
makes people less likely to purchase any kind of durable goods like you know home appliances cars and things like that because of this uncertainty about the future so fiscal support, even the announcement of fiscal support, a promise of the government to send you a certain amount of money should relieve some of this hesitancy, right? So, so for some people, it's an actual budget constraint. Maybe they lost their job and they're not re getting their salary, or maybe they just are furloughed and temporarily not getting their salary. So cash relieves that budget constraint. In addition, for people who do not have such a tight budget constraint, but might be delaying their purchases because of this uncertainty, a promise of fiscal support is a signal from the government that the government is going to support them. And so they might be able to buy stuff. And so the effect that we would expect then from fiscal support is for people, for aggregate demand to increase and therefore to also increase the sentiment, right? So people will think, well, the future is not so bad now that everybody is getting uh, money from the government. And so that would increase aggregate demand and might or might not during the COVID be reflected in PMI because of the reasons I explained. And although fiscal support can be a good thing, it can help a lot of people who, for example, in the COVID pandemic lost their jobs, uh, get on the right footing, but how does this impact inflation? And mm -hmm. what is the difference between the fiscal support to consumers and fiscal support to firms? Right. So um, so let me answer first question more generally, right? So when you provide fiscal support, you're putting more cash into the economy. If the total number of goods that people uh, are wanting to buy is fixed, then just giving more money to people would result in prices of this goods increasing, right? Because you now have more money trying to buy the same amount of goods. And so that potentially has an inflationary pressure, right? So this could be mitigated if the increase in the money available in the economy is also accompanied by increased production, right? So if we have more goods and more money, then the prices don't necessarily need to go up, right? So the question is, when we provide fiscal support to consumers, is it just going to increase the prices of things they buy, or is it also going to increase production and therefore amount of goods available? And it was a little bit complicated during the pandemic because you know, we weren't spending much money, uh, partly because we couldn't spend much money, right? So because of the lockdown, we didn't go to the restaurants, we didn't go on vacation. And so when you get it, chances are people actually had some cash available. And when you give them more cash, then when they can start spending, they're going to start spending faster than the goods are being produced. And so that can create some inflation. And um, the difference between fiscal support to consumers and firms is the following. Cons when you give money directly to consumers, that's just cash in their pocket. The programs we had in the US, like a Paycheck Protection Program, for example, PPP, was designed to achieve the same goal, but indirectly through giving cash to companies so that they will not lay off their employees and continue to paying them salaries. But that might be viewed by people as a different thing, right? So this is just maintaining the income they had before. It's not like a lottery winning when you get additional cash. So in economics, we have these models where the amount of cash in your pocket actually matters for how much you want to buy, because it seems like somebody just gave you $1,000 for Christmas. 
you are going to run and spend it as opposed to if it's your just monthly income has not really changed much, you're not going to run and spend it. And so that's why we think we find that more inflationary effects from fiscal support to consumers than we find from fiscal support to firms. Moreover, when you give fiscal support to firms, you maintain their ability to keep producing even if they can't keep on selling their goods. So then when people start buying again, we have this increase in the number of goods we have uh, that, you know, that helps reduce the inflationary pressure. Can you touch on the different measures of consumer sentiment that you talk about mm. in your research? Mm. Yeah, so when the survey um, organizers go to consumers, they ask them a number of questions. They're saying, well, how do you feel about current economic conditions? How do you feel about future economic conditions, say 12 months from now, five years from now? They can also ask, well, if you're you know, if you're not thinking about your personal finances, but if you think about what is the business environment, so think from the producer point of view to the extent that you're involved as a productive part of the economy, not just as a consumer, what are you thinking about business conditions? And so these are all very highly correlated indices, but sometimes you can get different information from what do you think about current conditions and what do you think about future conditions, right? especially in terms of uh, consumer behavior. So think about a person who says, I'm very optimistic, you know, I'm feeling good about today, but I'm feeling bad about the future. It means I might spend some money today or might actually not buy very um, a lot of durable goods because I'm worried about the future. So even though I'm feeling good about today, I'm going to hold some money back because I might be worried about losing my job in the future. So there is a difference between current sentiment and future sentiment that can indicate about how the demand um, the consumers have for, especially for durable goods, can change over time. And how does the size of fiscal support correlate with the magnitude of the inflationary effect? So what we do in the paper, we we measure the total amount of the fiscal support that is promised, and most of it has been disbursed. And so we do not particularly study whether the effect is linear or not. We just kind of assume the more fiscal support, the more inflation. So we are measuring inflationary impact per 1% of GDP of fiscal support, for example. And so when we measure the coefficient on this, then it just says for 1% of GDP, um, one percentage point of GDP increase in fiscal support, you will get say two tenths of a percent of inflation, right? But that means if you have 10% of GDP fiscal support, then that can contribute to 2% inflation. And given that in some countries we had as much as 30 or 40% of GDP in fiscal support, the impact on inflation could be quite large. What is the history of fiscal support policy? When has it been used to before? And now that following the implementation of this fiscal support, um, that's a really high inflation, is this something that the government will be more reluctant to consider in the future? That's a very good question. So in the past, we had some uh, fiscal measures, but usually they were you know, some tax reduction going through the Congress and not um, 
not very active like we saw during the pandemic. And I think what we saw during the pandemic was kind of unprecedented. And that was because of the lockdown, because the government realized so many people immediately lost their income and they need to have support in terms of their housing payments, you know, eviction moratorium. So it wasn't just the cash in the pocket, it was also helping with their debt. For homeowners, it was help with the mortgages. If they couldn't get rental income, they didn't have to, they could postpone their payments on mortgages. So this was kind of unprecedented. Uh, what does it, inflationary effect, whether it means the government in the future is going to think twice? I'm not 100% sure about this. So um, on one hand, the, you know, the fiscal support in 2020 was really necessary because of the lockdowns, because otherwise they just, if you look at the countries that didn't have the ability or political will to have such fiscal support, the suffering, you know, economic suffering was much worse. And so there is a huge benefit of this fiscal support to people. And there are a lot of studies that show that across countries. It was very, very important. Now, once the lockdowns were lifted, U.S. was one of the few countries that continued fiscal support. And in the U.S., um, potentially, the inflationary effect of fiscal support are larger than in other countries. We don't have the largest inflation, but that's partly because of the you know war-related energy crisis in Europe is a bigger contributor there. Um, so going forward, I think a lesson learned could be that maybe fiscal support does not need to continue for as long as it did. So some people argue that um, the, the support early in 2021 was very inflationary because people already had extra money at the, what, what's called pent up demand. People were ready to spend the money and they had the money because we were locked down, they couldn't spend for so long. And now you give them even more money. So that was and potentially too much, pushing the economy towards overheating. Uh, so maybe that is the lesson for the future, but I expect if we have, God forbid, another pandemic, and another set of lockdowns, uh, we would expect fiscal support from the government because the benefits at that point outweigh any potential concerns about inflation. It's like, you know, it's just saying, you know, there's some water damage after you were putting out the fire in a house. Well, water damage is a bad thing, but you put out the fire. So you're gonna put out the fire next time as well, even though you create some water damage, right? So it's, it's a little bit of a cost and benefit thing. And I just want to be clear, fiscal support is no longer offered, correct? That's correct. So okay. we have now inf we have now some fiscal support that is not pandemic related. So I think California, for example, is sending checks to its taxpayers uh, as inflation compensation for low income and uh, median median medium income consumers, but it's no longer pandemic related fiscal support. We no longer you know, have it. We just have a standard fiscal policy, which, you know, for many reasons, taxes go up or down. Um, depends on a lot of factors. And was there a notable transition once the pandemic-related fiscal support was cut off uh, in consumer sentiment, for example? So, um, I don't have a good answer to this. So, we know that consumer sentiment 
was improved every time fiscal support was offered. But once we had no longer fiscal support, there's so many other factors that were pushing consumer sentiment to improve because it was kind of lifting of the lockdowns, international trade, supply chains have been restored. So there was a lot of good news coming in at the same time, also affecting fiscal, which is why we didn't have we didn't need fiscal support anymore. So I think it's very hard to disentangle whether the end of fiscal support actually had any negative effects. I would not expect to find any negative effects because it was never really announced. This is the last time we're sending the money, right? It was always, we're going to send another check and we're going to send another check. And then no announcement means the end of fiscal support, but was never an announcement that says this is the last check you're going to get. So there was never really, like you can't pin down the time when it was the end of fiscal support. Only like now from 2023, we can see which one was the last. But at the time, you didn't know it was the last. To summarize, what is the bottom line of your research? So basically, we find that um, fiscal support was inflationary, but I want to caution people against thinking that all of the equation inflation we experienced in 2022, uh, it is declining a little bit now in the U.S., was due to fiscal support. So if you look at the magnitudes, you know, in the U.S., maybe only two percentage points you could attribute to fiscal support during COVID. And even that is not that easy to do because of the timing differences. So there were other factors that were affecting inflation, you know, supply chain disruption, war in the Ukraine, energy prices, uh, uh, food prices, all, all these things. So I don't want people to think that fiscal support was the only reason we had inflation increase.